Namaste and welcome to this episode of the Festival of Bharat. Today's talk is going to be an interesting one. I have with me someone who has been on our show before and regaled us with his Hindi. And why is that unusual? Because Bihari Lalji is actually an Australian who is otherwise called Charles Thompson. Just a little introduction to Charles G. His love affair with Bharat began at the age of 13 when he came here to learn yoga and lived in Bihar for many years. He's now an Indian citizen and divides his time between Bharat and Australia. He's a yoga and meditation instructor instructor. He has uh, had an interesting varied and diverse career path that has included working in the finance sector, food industry, acting and the media. He has in fact appeared in uh, Hindi and Marathi TV serials and has even acted in a few films in both the languages. He regularly organizes and participates in various film festivals both in India and Australia. Namaste Charles ji or Bihari Lal ji uh, which do you prefer? I don't mind. India gives names I take them. I have more <laughs> not just Bihari I like Bihari Lal. That's a beautiful name and that was given to me by BBC Hindi actually many years oh, ago. Okay. But I also have Otowala Babu that was given to me yes. by Z and then I have Gora Babu and and so many Deshi Babu and so many <laughs> Gora Bihari so Gora many Bihari. so I keep the name I love them all. <laughs> okay for the purpose of this talk I'll slip between Bihari Lal ji and Charles ji um so that people remember that you are both you're Australian as well as Indian. Um yeah. So um welcome and thank you for making the time uh, you're in Australia right now and um, so you're you know good five and a half are half hours ahead of us um so charles ji i'm going to start with in in your in your previous talk with us i mean we couldn't do justice to your vast range of experiences in india uh, because you've lived here for such a long time and you came here when you were a little boy you came here when you were 13 in the 70s and this was also a very interesting period because you did happen to mention in in the earlier talk that you lived in india during the emergency period right so i want to yes. get to that first uh because this was um a difficult time in the history of our country uh for good two years right for except from 75 to 77 uh, i think a few months there i think a little over two years and um Could you tell us a little bit about how it was for a boy your age an outsider at that to have witnessed that period and I want to talk about it now also because there is so much name calling and there is so much uh, talk about India being an autocracy and all of that by certain certain sections of the society and also certain political parties I think it needs to be people need to be reminded that we, India has already been through a really dark period um where uh, people's rights were actually taken away from them um so democracy was in suspension so um Charles ji what what did you see when you were here okay so at that time I was probably about between this is between the ages of 14 and 16 and um, I was very naive I was very innocent I was staying in a gurukul and nobody explained to me you don't travel without money and that too in India. So I was traveling sometimes by my own in what we call third class. So there was no ticket, but once you got in the train it was almost impossible to get out. So you had to know well in advance otherwise you'd miss your station. 
So I can never forget because even during the emergency, because I was staying in the Gurukul, we were very much protected because we had little exposure to what was really happening in the outside world. But there was one moment that I'll never forget. I was in the train and there was a number of young Hindu boys with blood running down their legs. And I was fascinated and confused because I could see from their facial expressions that they were all in shock. So uh, in Hindi, it's called Nasbandi. So what had happened, they had been forcibly grabbed because they were at the bottom of the pyramid and forcibly sterilized on Nasbandi. Now, when at that time I was very innocent, but I, I, I was shocked by that. Now, when I recollect that incident and I recollect that time and I realized how many people, both men and women, were treated in this way, I mean, there's no, today we don't know who they are. I think they all died. Not only was the, the, the treatment inhumane, but the psychological damage done to a young man or young woman at that time, especially in India at that time, when it was very village-like, is just so profound. I mean, even today in India, the most important institution is marriage. And anybody who spends time in India knows that you, if you're invited to a marriage, it's a great event. And it's considered that special moment in the life of every individual. And then once they marry, the next most important event is the child. And you take that away. And it was indiscriminate. Now, from what I've in the future studied about this, at the very top, the instructions weren't to force this to happen. But if anybody understands India in those days, as it trickled down to the state and the district administration, it was absolutely impossible to get anybody to volunteer. So the only way was force and capture. So that was in itself a very dark period, even though at the time um, I was very naive and very innocent. And it's just a, it's a very sad moment of uh, India's history that that should have happened. And I don't think there was ever a genuine uh, attempt to readdress that or revisit and help those people uh, who suffered such a great tragedy on them. Mm, true. Um, actually, uh, what you say is true because I don't think that we even talk about it anymore. I mean, that, uh, you know, Nazbandi and that forced sterilization that happened. Uh, we just, you know, it's mentioned in passing. It was mentioned as something that Sanjay Gandhi did as a, on a whim. Uh, but we, I don't think there's ever been any study. Now, you, like you, you, you just said that who, who knows what happened to those many men who were sterilized in an unhygienic, perhaps in an unhygienic un conditions, unclinical conditions. Uh, what happened to them? Nobody, nobody really knows. So, yeah, it, it, um, apart from that, did you, did you witness anything else? Or what were your other observations, uh, when okay. you were here in the seventies? So Bihar, which basically when you left from somewhere like Calcutta or Delhi was going back into time. So in Bihar, things were very simple in those days. Let me put it that way. I even can remember when I was about 16 or 17, uh, a friend had an accident on a motorcycle in Patna. So I had to help them and take them to the emergency ward in Patna. And that was in those days, not now, an experience in themselves. I mean, it was total chaos. 
I can still remember goats, cows, and I think even a few pigs wandering around the hospital. There was even a crazy guy who pretended to be a doctor who would come into the emergency ward, ask the relatives to hold the patient down, do some strange things until somebody shouted that he was crazy and chase him out again. So it was literally a very strange and bizarre time. And two parts to that. Now, the first is I have no doubt that in the villages of India, and I, I wasn't aware of this. I've only recently studied up on it. It also happened to young women. So this was not done in a nice and friendly way. It was done in a forced manner. So psychologically and physically, I have no doubt. And I can never forget when my friend, when I took him into the emergency part of the hospital, and what I had to do was curl myself up in the corner of his bed so I could look after him and protect him. In the early morning, suddenly there was so much activity. They came and cleaned up the emergency ward. Then suddenly we had a glass of milk, grapes and bread put next to our table. And I thought, this is amazing. And then I was told somebody came and said, I'm not to speak a word or my friend won't be treated. Then a group, I think, of Belgium or European doctors came through. Now, what was amazing, as soon as they left, because that time I was very naive and very young, I wasn't thinking, you know, street smart. The milk, the grapes and the bread was quickly removed and taken away. It was just there for show. So you can imagine in those times um, how difficult it was, um, you know, for people at the bottom and even for the middle class. Uh, yes. A very hard time, but it also was a very fascinating time because that was also the time when you traveled to the villages, and the villages would have wandering sadhus who would just turn up in the night. They'd sleep under the tree because I would stay with them. They'd play kirtan, teach some yoga, they'd be fed by the villagers, and then move on. So that also had its mystic and its magic time as well. So, you know, there's plus and minuses to every period, but politically, it was a very difficult time. It was, yes. What about Bihar of specifically? See, uh, Bihar has a bit of a notoriety attached to it, as a, as a, you would be aware, right? In India, in Bharat, uh, Bihar has always been the truant state, the state that has always caused, um, has had its issues, right? With problems with violence and, you know, mobsters and things like that. Um, backward state economically, but also the largest, one of the largest states in India. What was it like then? And you've been there, I'm sure, of late, recently as well. So could you just talk a little oh, bit about yes. <laughs> Okay. So I, I, I have so many stories, but I'll just tell you one quick story. Yeah. In Bihar, there is a place called Kul and Lucky Sarai. Mm. Lucky Sarai is on one side of the bridge, Kul's on the other. Now, 40 years ago, what used to happen was it was a junction station. So you would get down at Kul. And then you would get, have to get on another train to get on that other uh, journey. But what was unbeknown at that time was you would get down and you tried to get on the train when it came on the other track. And you present your ticket and the TT would look at the ticket and say, I'm sorry, you can't. This train's three days late. You have to wait for your train. So people would spend a couple of days on <laughs> Kuehl Station. So this is the first thing. Second thing, not now, not now, it's completely yes. different. But then it was completely surrounded by uh, rice fields, completely. So you're in the middle of nowhere. So what used to happen at night was the thieves, the dokoits, would come 
and either the power would go off naturally or they'd pull the switch. And then they would rob everybody on the platform. Now, I was one time, I don't know, 16, 17, 18, I was on the platform. It was dark. The electricity gone. And they were robbing everybody and everybody was screaming. And they knew of my presence. They knew I was there in the corner, but they couldn't see me because it was very dark and I was standing in a very dark corner. And they had robbed everybody else and even some old sadhu. So at that moment, I had to improvise. I had to think what to do. And my immediate response was to shout out, bum bum bole, bum bum bole. <laughs> and one of the equates said to the other equate, <laughs> and they left. The next morning when the sun rised, everybody was miserable except me. I was sitting there quietly. I had not been disturbed and I was quite happy there. And uh, <laughs> the local... The locals came and then somebody served me chai and they had a samosa and I was very happy. But because I was so naive, I was so young and I was so innocent. So for me, India or Bharat has always been this magical journey, but not for everybody. So for majority. But now the transformation that's happened is in Bihar, it's a huge transformation. There's a lot more work that has to be done, but the infrastructure definitely there has been massive changes huh? and you know I, uh, I, I this has been to the betterment of Bihar. True true it's um I mean it still has a long way to go but uh, um, I, I think there has been and economically also I think um, we've, we've come a long way since those days. Did you ever feel um, did you ever feel threatened uh, physically while you were living in India and specifically in Bihar did you ever feel were you ever fearful for your life? There were a number of times when I was in situations where any logical person would absolutely feel threatened. <laughs> but I was such a naive, forthright young individual thinking that a guru would protect me <laughs> that I would approach the thieves. I, I met many of them and they became my friends. <laughs> also, there was something else that used to happen, which even today... You know, it, it, I, I, I just was amazed. The, the sadhu that came to my home in Australia when I was 11, that made such a profound influence on me. I used to just meet him on the side of the road in different parts of Bihar and sometimes in Delhi, just by chance. And when he would, I'd meet him, he'd give me an address and say, go and meet this senior officer. I would go to see that senior officer. The next thing I would stay with that senior officer in their home for a few days. They would feed me because I was skinny. I was just absolutely thin bones, right? Like an Aztec. Uh, but And I would teach them yoga. And we had a wonderful connection. So, you know, that included district magistrates, uh, SPs, commissioners, DGs, you know, <laughs> members of parliament. So, you know, <laughs> and to me, rather than feeling threatened, to me, it was just a magical part of my my journey in India. And I thoroughly enjoyed every single minute of it. I mean, I did get diarrhea. I did get food poisoning. That was tough. But I knew no better. So I just got over it and I moved on. <laughs> that didn't make you, uh, that didn't make you, those experiences didn't make you, you know, not want to come back or want to leave. Uh, because that's the reaction of a lot of, 
the first time westerners when they come to india a lot of them either hate it with uh, with a with a passion and go and never come back or then of course there are those who you know fall in love eventually so um, did you have like a strong reaction i mean um, clearly you didn't you but but um, was it ever a time when you felt that my god i can't take it because this was you were living here in times that were you know india was not economically um we were quite we were quite uh, you know behind times in those days so did you ever feel the need to want to run back home uh, okay uh, so I, once again i i'll narrate a small story i started in the yoga school reading amachitra comics and i loved them <laughs> loved them oh, and they were beautiful and in fact i believe my uh, late teacher or my late guru inspired uh, the gentleman who wrote them but anyway uh, pai. Uh, mr pai anand pai yes that's right yes yes he inspired him so i was reading some of those copy and they had a great uh, influence on my thinking and my my ways so in those days the yoga school was very small mm-hmm. and i slept outside the main teacher's residence and i was in charge of the gate for people coming in and out and just beside us was a giant mango tree and this mango tree would even have mangoes just the odd mango outside out of the season and because we were on such a simple basic diet i mean we didn't even have milk in our tea it was maybe once in a month mm-hmm. so we just had roti chapati dal sabji and black tea so our life was very very simple so i used to lie down in my bed on the choki in my machadani looking at this mango so one day i i was about 14 and another boy from colombia was also 14 we made a plan that when the institution was locked down at night we would climb up this tree and we could see one or two mangoes we'd pick them and have these mangoes so we did this plan and we climbed up the tree then lo and behold for the very first time our teacher came outside turned on the light and we made our beds to look like we were sleeping in our beds <laughs> and we were paralyzed up in the mango tree so we had to hold and absolutely stay silent now i'd read those amachitra comics about how young devotees had uh looked after the sage or the rishi and even when they were bitten they didn't make a sound we were bit by <laughs> bull ants bull ants were biting us <laughs> that's right. very big. i don't know if you've been to bihar but the bull ants are very big they were biting us and oh. both of us kept absolute silence then after some time our teacher he went back inside locked the gate turned off the lights now by this time we had lost total interest in the mangoes we both came down and never ventured back up but why i tell this story is the whole purpose of a gurukul or a system like this is to teach one simple thing and that is self discipline and that teaching of self discipline throughout my life has probably been one of the greatest gifts that i've ever received no matter what the difficulties i faced and i faced difficulties even in australia i have had the largest multinational try to bankrupt me take me through the courts and it's through my practice of self discipline and sadhana that that's kept my stability my calmness my focus and has got me ahead and i've had this amazing life where every 10 years i reinvent myself and start a completely new career and a completely new horizon in my life how lovely <laughs> <laughs> and um 
you mentioned in one of your so you you how long were you in this i'm i'm guessing this was bihar school of yoga if i'm not yeah yeah i i normally don't mention the name and the reason i i do that for a purpose is there are so many yoga schools today and so many people are saying this school's better than the other i don't get involved in that yes. it's oldest it's got the most publications yes. it's for the yes. serious sadhak people okay. who really want to go a lot further than just hearing agrabati ganti baba <laughs> and all of that that's also wonderful they're all wonderful institutions for a lot of people so i spent 11 years of my life there yes yes so you were you came as a 13 year old and you were a good 24 when you finished your training your i didn't finish my training i was thrown out oh yeah you had to leave <laughs> yes tell us tell us about that every foreigner in india and i was alerted to this beforehand secretly which is also very interesting and all these people are now longer with us so i can tell this secret so what happened was the prime minister at the time was a christian mm-hmm. nobody in india knows this but that gentleman was a christian 100% he uh, followed catholicism which is fine mm-hmm. and up before him and i know this for a fact even many of the priests had a really hard time renewing their visas even mm-hmm. under indira gandhi and mm-hmm. all the state governments so now was his time to show so a secret order was signed and all foreigners in india who had anything to do with ayurveda yoga institutes or sanatandam were to be given 48 hour notice and told to leave now looking back part of the joke of it was that if it was for the security of the country nobody got these notices at once somebody got it today somebody got it in 6 months time so you know that that was a joke but before this happened the director general of bihar is no longer with us and the governor who's a muslim at the time a wonderful gentleman i both used to go and spend time with them teach them yoga stay in rajbhavan and also stay with the director general of police at his home and they both told me look we want you to become bharat nagrita ab le lijiye ab application dal ke hum log support karenge kyunki aaj sab videshi ko nikalna hai is desh se then i thought to myself if bharat really wants us to go then let, let it get rid of me and throw me out ha to ab isliye main mera man mein ye socha ki kabhi aage mein jeevan mein hum bharat nagar banenge aur bharat nagar banne ka baad jab bhi man hai aa sakta hai jab bhi man hai ja sakta hai koi takleef nahi hai koi bhi se kha rahega so anyway that's the answer to that question <laughs> lovely but um i remember you mentioning that um, you were uh, you were actually very close or you were in the neighborhood when indira gandhi was assassinated okay do you want to you want to talk about that that sounds like a very interesting tale uh, <laughs> a little bit maybe some things i don't speak about because they're a very dark and even people today are alive who are involved in that okay the fact okay. is that after her assassination right i used to teach the chief justice yoga and i used to stay at his home and he lived next door to indira gandhi uh-huh. and we thought they were firecrackers but the problem is justice has never been done to all the sikhs who suffered after that it was a very complicated time i'm aware of how much respect there was for indira gandhi at the time and you know it was a very complicated and i was also very young so i was very naive and not aware so much of the polit- politics of it i did meet her cousin who was the home minister arun there um i wasn't impressed with that guy um <laughs> 
uh, you know, <laughs> there was another uh, uh, minister they used to meet, which I had, uh, you know, Chandrasekhar Singh, he was from Bihar. Mm-hmm. And we used to have a wonderful time together. But I can tell you, that this I can share with you. I was sitting with, I was staying with the Secretary for Telecommunications of India at the time. I was staying at his home. He's the Gretna, the nephew of Lal Bahadur Shastri. And he at his home showed me Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Oh, the shows? The... He, had the, he had the tapes. He oh. showed them. And he said, no, Minister is just like that. And I won't say who his minister was. <laughs> <laughs> so I've seen India about from all its shades and from all its angles. Right? <laughs> so people who haven't seen Yes Minister or Yes Prime Minister, it's all on YouTube. Oh, and I have. The bubbles of India will admit off the record. This is the fact that bubbles run the country, not politicians. Well, the babu dam is really a, 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 the the you know the, the legacy of the British. I mean, the the babus were left behind by the British essentially. Them behind in Australia. How come India ended up with them? There's no bubble dumps in Australia. There is. Well, I think because they needed, they needed, uh, they needed uh, a conduit, or I think they needed some kind of a wire media between the 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 Bada Sahib and the you know the poor plebeians who were in this working on the on the on the ground. They needed a system of or, or a yes. group of people like the brown sepoys we call them, right? <laughs> you no, know the sepoy system. Yeah. Yes, and I always say this that India is actually like Europe. Every state is ek alag desh hai. It has its own culture, Thank its you. own language, its own uh, beliefs. So when you put them all together, you know, for any foreign invader to run that place, they have to put some sort of mechanism in place. So mm-hmm. you know, obviously, the, the I think it was called the ICS initially. ICS, yes, yes. I, I, yeah, yes, that's right. Yes, but they do have. I mean, I don't know how come they didn't have it in Australia because they themselves have the, uh, the, the you know, the civil servants in, in Britain. Britain themselves, the, the British themselves have a system of of uh, civil servants, right? They do, don't they? Yeah, Australia was settled a majority by convicts, and convicts were at the bottom of the system. And and what people don't realize is that Britain had a very strong caste system. This idea that only India has a caste system, forget it. Under oil, royal families, there were a very strong caste system. And the people at the very bottom was forcibly sent to Australia. So they had an intolerance for authority. So that's why when they developed the capital of Australia, Melbourne and Sydney got a ruler and said, look, where's the middle? They found a sheep farm and we'll throw all the politicians there. And that became Canberra. That's Canberra. And, of course, one of the things that I find so delightful today in Australia is that if you ask a local Aussie who's your local mayor or councillor or member of parliament or even who's your police commissioner or local police, nobody has a clue. But our new Indian Aussie migrants, uh, the moment they become a councillor or a relative or a friend, then everybody knows them in the community. (laughs) (laughs) I guess Australia, like you said, uh, because of the, the the nature of the people who settle there, the convicts, uh, because they have such an open disdain for authority, uh, it's it's probably apparent even now. I mean, I, I visited um, Sydney, uh, Australia in 2017. I had the privilege to go to the parliament and I thought it was so 
casual, like anyone can walk in. I mean, there's minimal presence of security. It's not in the face and people can walk in and watch the proceedings. Well, you can't do that in the Indian parliament. You know, you it's not that easy. Actually, funnily, you should say that because a number of times I've been invited to walk the Lok Sabha and I've been curious and also go to uh, Rajpati to where the president sits. Yes. But every time that we've tried to arrange it, there's been some security issue. <laughs> so we've let it go. But mm -hmm. huh, New South Wales Parliament and also in Canberra, uh, anybody's, uh, there's some security, but everybody's well. Anybody but can very little. It's not in the face. Yeah. No. Not, yeah. 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 That's and, but funnily enough, every time I visited the Parliament of New South Wales has been for an Indian event an Indian Australian <laughs> event. If it had been for an Indian Australian event, I would never have visited New South Wales. <laughs> interesting. Um, yeah. You also made an interesting comment in one of your earlier talks with us. You said that of all the uh, colonial powers, uh, you said the British were the, was, what was the word you used? Were the best, oh, I said the ones? best of the worst. Best so, of the worst. Best of the worst. Okay. Would you oh, care yeah. to throw some light on that? Because we think oh. we think differently. <laughs> yeah, no, no. Okay. I'll give an example. Have you been to Goa? Oh, the Portuguese. Yes, of course. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So one of the first things, I've been to Goa many times. Mm -hmm. I spent, a, I, I love, I've traveled all over Goa. Now, one of the first things that hit me was the Goan Christians, the way that they worship. I've also experienced this in Kerala is so unusual because what they do is you'll find crosses on the side of the road and then you'll find them garlanding with flowers and using agrobati just as if they were in Hindu. So if you study the history of Goa, what happened was when the Portuguese arrived, you had to do conversion or your head was chopped off, right? Yes. So that, and that's why even today you'll find a lot of the Goan Christians um, they, the way that they show their devotion to Christ is a very uh, Hindu. traditional Hindu yeah. way. I can never forget I was hosting a film festival in Cochin, mm. in Kerala. And the hotel where I was staying, I honestly thought, because I arrived at night, that there was a temple next door. Mm. The next morning I went across and I saw St. Francis of Assisi. <laughs> he was singing in Malayalam, devotional songs. Yes to St. Francis of Assisi. But the way they sang them and the way the feeling came across to me was I just naturally presumed that there was a temple across the road. Mm -hmm. I had no idea that there was a church. <laughs> so, so, so that was the Portuguese. Now, if you study about the Spanish in South America and also the French in Africa, they, I, I, don't, I don't justify the British. What the British did was wrong. Um, but, and it, but it was very much in their self-interest. But they were the best of the worst. And that's why I, 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 I would say that. Um, that doesn't justify that they should be there. And that also doesn't uh, justify uh, many things that happen under their rule. Uh, yes. But yes, of all of the colonial powers at that time, um, to me, they were the best of the worst. Hmm. I think there are many sides to this. Um, maybe you're right there, but I think there are many other shades to this um, argument. Uh, Maybe they were, they were more, their, you know, approach towards India or Bharat was more tempered because they were dealing with, I think quickly they realized they were dealing with a civilization that was far ahead and far more evolved. 
Um, so, you know, it was not like their experience in Africa, perhaps, you know, it was, so maybe they, they realized that they had to change their approach towards Indians. And also, I think the missionary activity of the British was far less as compared to, I think initially, I think the East India Company, in fact, uh, uh, you know, actively didn't allow missionaries to land, uh, to, to come to India for, for evangelical activities. Um, I think that was much more rampant in the Catholic countries like Port- Portugal and uh, France and other, other countries like Spain. I, and, and that's my analysis, I think. Look, but one thing I will mention, um, if ever you get the chance and you're in Italy, you go to the Vatican. Now, the Vatican has been there for 2,000 years, basically. The Vatican has a museum, but it also has a library. Now, one of the things that every Christian priest had to do for conversion, wherever they went in the world, was before they converted the locals, they actually had to document in great detail the language, the politics, the history, and what their religion and their beliefs, and even send original documents back to the Vatican. Now in the Vatican, there's a depository of knowledge that is amazing. But I say this quite openly, and I get in a lot of trouble for this, but I say this quite openly. And let me test it on you. Where do you think the Indian ambassador for the Vatican sits? For the Vatican? Mm. You mean we have an ambassador for the Vatican? I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, and a lot of money is spent on this person. Where is it? Where does this person sit? I'm thinking Italy, somewhere in Rome, maybe. Okay. If you, I don't know if you've been to Rome. It's yeah. only getting a taxi, and it's 20 minutes from Rome to get to the Vatican. They sit in Austria or Switzerland. Mm. That is a complete rot. It should stop tomorrow. Ministry of External Affairs has absolutely no justification to put a person in Austria or Switzerland so they can travel first class to Italy whenever they want to, number one. Number two, I've asked this even live on a live TV panel with formal ambassadors. Does the person who takes, who's the ambassador to the Vatican have any knowledge of Sanskrit or maybe Tamil? Of course not. Now, why am I saying that? Because think of it. Oh, it could be Canada or one of Marathi. Imagine if in Rome, India's ambassador actually was done a PhD in Sanskrit or Tamil or Canada or Marathi or Bhojpuri or Metali, and they could go to the Pope, they could go to the cardinals and very politely say, this library, which has very restrictive access, please allow me some access to access these documents for me to take some of this information back to India, to Bharat, right? Now, to me, this is unspeakable. This is this is a no-brainer. This is just like when South Australia tried to give back some statues that were stolen from India, the director of the museum had to play, pay for the business class ticket for the statue to be placed in to come back to India. So Bharat me mujhe sharam nahi aata hai kabhi kabhi kuch kuch aisa baat bolna ki jagrad hona chahiye na ye kya baat hai ha aap sahi bol rahe hain because uh, these are some basic but you know we've not even been able to extract an apology from the the british uh, you know from the from britain 
for 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 पॉलिसी छोड़िए आप देखिए क्या हिस्ट्री है वहां पर क्या रिकॉर्ड्स है हिंदुस्तान का और लोगों को ये जानना है कि ब्रिटेन और अंग्रेज से पहले और मुसलमान से पहले वो भी लोग था वो भी हिस्ट्री था छोला डायनेस्टी था वो भी और ये सब पुस्तक और रिकॉर्ड्स है और इसको लेना में वापस लाना में हिंदुस्तान में क्या दिक्कत है ऐसे तो बहुत सारी चीजें हैं चार्ल्स जी सो मच लूट दैट इन द म्यूजियम्स इन ब्रिटेन लेकिन दुख का बात यह है कि जितना मिनिस्ट्री ऑफ एक्सपेरिमेंट मुझे बहुत आठ पढ़ने वाला है जो एम्बेसडर्स बन जाता है ये लोग फ्रेंच पढ़ लेता है जर्मन जर्मन पढ़ते हैं हम अब हिंदी में समझाएंगे ये छह साल पहले पहले भी बतलाया दिखलाते हैं आपको छह साल पहले हमको हिंदी दिवस सिडनी में बुलाया गया था कौंसिल में तो चार साल पहले जो भी डिप्लोमेटिक स्टाफ था और आज जो है वो सब बदल गया ठीक है तो मैं नाम नहीं ले रहा है किसी को बतलाया नहीं तो मैं गलती से थोड़ा देर के बाद पहुंचा हिंदी दिवस पर ठीक है वहां दो तीन सौ हिंदुस्तानी बैठा किस भाषा में डिप्लोमैट्स वहां का जो इंडियन डिप्लोमैट्स किस भाषा में कार्यक्रम बना रहा था अंग्रेजी में चलाना शुरू कर दिए ना कि देश का आजादी हो गया है पचहत्तर साल हो गया अब डर हिंदी अब लोग बोल सकता है बोल सकते हैं लोग बहुत गुस्सा आ गया मेरे शक्ल को देख नहीं सकता है सब सोचा कि कोई बीजेपी आरएसएस वाला होगा आप जब चाय समोसा के इसमें अरे तो गोरा अंग्रेज बोल रहा है ये हिंदी में बताते हैं अंग्रेजी में तो आप समझ सकते हैं ना तो काम हो रहा है बहुत कुछ हुआ बहुत कुछ विकास में देख चुका है सो मच डेवलपमेंट इज हैपन इन इंडिया बट वी कैन नॉट जस्ट लीव इट वेयर इट इज सो मच मोर नीड्स टू बी डन आई एग्री आई एग्री द प्रॉब्लम इज दैट वी आर सो थरली कॉलोनाइज्ड चार्ल्स जी द कॉलोनाइजेशन ऑफ द माइंड ऑफ द इंटेलेक्ट ऑफ एवरीथिंग वी बीन सो कॉलोनाइज दैट इट्स वेरी डिफिकल्ट फॉर अस I mean, some of us, even for people like us who have kind of made that journey a little bit, if for us to be uh, to 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 shed those uh, you know prejudices, uh, because even today uh, the idea of a successful person is a person who speaks very good English, uh, you know, who has a corporate job, and uh, you know looks westernized. Um, so you know, I mean, not that there aren't people who are very proud of their culture. Bharati, but बहुत ऐसे लोग हैं जो अपने संस्कृति से बहुत प्रीति रखते हैं ऐसा नहीं है. लेकिन at least cities में जो जो हमारे जो you know urban areas हैं वहाँ पे ये बहुत it's a very strong perception. Unfortunately, it's there, and I think slowly we're on that job. Of, yeah. Oh, okay, let me now I'll tell you another little story. I was just recently in Jaipur, Rajasthan. and i co-hosted a sanskrit film festival mm. okay and we had lots of students who could speak sanskrit i don't speak sanskrit i have a little bit of knowledge but sanskrit helped me a lot in my life and we showed four beautiful films in sanskrit after the festival i found myself at the airport at jaipur waiting to catch a flight back to delhi the gentleman next to me became curious and because he heard my hindi and we had a discussion he was a senior government officer i will never disclose his name we had a very heated discussion he said the main language of india is english now i've been thinking about this and i've been thinking how to explain to people because i also see this 
I've seen this amongst a lot of people in India now and also in the West, where at home they don't speak their Matribhasha. I'm not just talking about Hindi. I'm talking about Tamil, Marathi, Now, what I've come to a conclusion, and I, I have to study this more, but it's just in my uh, thoughts. You see, my mother tongue is English. The first thing I've noticed amongst people who speak English is very rarely do they speak a second language. And there are a couple of reasons for this. One is part of the culture of this superiority complex, that English is the only language. But there's also another reason. In the English language, there are very few vowels. There's only five vowels. Where in Hindi, many others, there are 10 or more. Sanskrit, there are 10 or more. So what happens is, when you learn English as your mother tongue, it's very difficult to learn a second language. But when you learn German or Hindi or Marathi or Tamil, it's very easy to learn a second language because you're much more aware of different sounds. See, when I was learning Hindi, two words I had great difficulty with were Saddi and Shaddi. I used to go to a marriage Saddi, cold. And huh? my, even now my child is not so good, Saddi, when you catch a cold. Saddi. Yeah, Saddi. Even now my child is not very good. And Shaddi. And? Shaddi. Marriage. Shaddi. Okay. Now, even now my child is not very good because I come from an English-speaking background. Yes. I go to a marriage and I go, Aapka Saddi ho gaya. <laughs> Meaning you've got a, got a cold. <laughs> now, think about it, excluding me, whenever you meet a person whose first language is English and they speak a second language, excluding me, generally they're geniuses. They're the head of departments, head of companies. Very rare and very brilliant people. But if you look in a country like India, where people have learned their mother tongue first, when they've learned their mother tongue, they become very fluent and easy to learn two, three or four languages. Why bother? Why bother being multilingual? One of the things I've noticed, because I've also worked in IT companies and all my colleagues were from IITs, you know, young, brilliant. The first thing I always notice is a rule of thumb. Any of my colleagues who could speak more than two or three languages were automatically IT geniuses. Thing. So it's really important, and I, I express this to all the Indian community abroad too, at home, if you have a Matri Vasha that's not English, speak it at home because the language that your child should hear from the time of birth to let's say 10 or 12 should be your mother tongue. They'll learn English, no problems. Once they're out and about in any Western society, whether it's Australia, UK or United States, Canada, They'll pick it up in no time, in kindergarten and in school. But to learn as their matrivasha, their mother tongue, will be, is a great blessing. So this being the ability to be multilingual. Now look at it. Europe, everybody's multilingual. South America, people are multilingual. It's only the Angrej, <laughs> America and Australia. In America also now many people are speaking Spanish. So that's the different there. Mm. People who learn English as their mother tongue, this is a huge disadvantage mm. for their child going for, uh, uh, for that. This is a great mistake in India. There, I have so many times this problem that when I'm speaking to somebody in India, in Hindi, <laughs> they cannot complete the sentence in Hindi. Beach, beach, me, Angreji, dalta hai. 
ये बहुत बड़ा प्रॉब्लम है <laughs> खास करके हिंदी में बाकी भाषा में मुझे ये ये गड़बड़ नहीं मिलता है खास करके हिंदी में development right and that is a great very simple yes. thing that you can practice at home right absolutely charles ji it's um in fact we had uh, another speaker recently um, mr sankrant sanu he's also he's based out of uh, uh, america but he's uh, he's done a lot of work in this area of promoting indigenous languages especially the mother tongue and over english and and, and has actually um you know we and we did talk about how exactly what you're telling me right now that uh, those who learn their mother tongue uh and learn you know in, especially in the early years it's very easy for them to pick up other languages especially indian languages because they're so rich you know with vowel sounds and you know they get used to different sounds um so that's um, i think something that i hope uh, people who are watching uh, especially the ones who have young children Uh, are making a note of because i myself have a lot of uh, friends uh, unfortunately who uh, i mean the children don't speak their mother tongues uh, especially you know even even the children of um, uh, if the mother belongs to a different state and the father belongs to it, so there's two different mother tongues you, you know what i mean father tongue and a mother tongue but the child unfortunately doesn't speak either you know yeah. and the parents end up speaking to the child in english but <laughs> i is challenge to everybody whenever you meet a gora okay politely find out if they speak another language and what you'll find is except for exceptional goras most of them are stuck with one language now i'll give i'll give an example in my family my late grandfather retired as a, he started from the bottom and he worked from nothing to the very top of the reserve bank of australia he was fluent in french as a second language father my late father he's written books on yoga and eastern medicine he was a psychiatrist um and a very famous psychiatrist he could also speak spanish right so if you want to follow the goras one of the things you'll notice with most of the goras is that they don't me to itna jara gani wala nahi hai na dimag wala nahi hai baki log to hai lekin aap kabhi bhi koi gora se mila dekho jo sab jo department ka head hai company ka head hai वो दूसरा भाषा जानता है लेकिन बाकी गोरस को नहीं आता है तो खाए अपना बच्चा को ऐसे जबरदस्ती बना रहा है बेवकूफ बिल्कुल सही बोला तो आपने यू आपने काफी फिल्मों में अभी जैसे मैंने बोला इंट्रोडक्शन में कि यू एक्टेड इन सेवरल फिल्म्स राइट आपने हिंदी फिल्म में एक्ट किया है मराठी में किया है आपने मीडिया चैनल्स में भी काफी न्यूज चैनल्स में बी जैसे चैनल्स में आपने काम किया है तो डिड यू एवर हैव एनी डिफिकल्टी विथ योर फॉरेननेस आपका आप देखने में हो रहा है तो लोगों का रिएक्शन कैसे होता है जैसे फिल्म सेट्स में जब आप यू नो व्हेन यू आर डीलिंग विथ पीपल वेदर इट इज दिन्स तो कैसे कैसा आपका एक्सपीरियंस कैसा रहा है मतलब हाउ डू डील विद इट 
So l- let me take one example. Do Dashan. Hmm. I'm probably the only Gora since Azadi who's had <laughs> a TV show. Okay. Now, how did I, how did this Gora get a TV show? And that was on Bojan and Sanskriti. And Gyara episode, I see when I had the Dudashan Panch part repeat. Konsa show tha, Charles Ji? Uska naam tha, Wa Kya Taste hai, season 2. Wa Kya Taste hai, haan, haan, jay, jay. Season 2. Gyara hmm. episode. Or me, Aisa Chis Teklai to Kabi Soch Ni Sakte. Jewish cuisine of India. Korean cuisine of India. Are you look Kabi Soch Ni? Me Purabanaya. Like it pressure with that, me Kesa. The producer of my show, an amazing producer from Dudashan, she met me in Goa at Film Bazaar, but she also met me on the train with her husband. And she said, one day I want to work with you. But the problem was, how do you get a Gora into Dudashan? It's just not possible. <laughs> one day, by chance, there was a soft power discussion on Dudashan, a live soft power. And all of the professors, I think all of the professors, uh, they all had PhDs in Sanskrit or Goras. And I was also on the panel. So this Gora does not have any PhD, Paralikani, but this Gora speaks Hindi. So I talked about my journey with Sanskrit, right? So then my producer went to the DG at the time and pointed and said, and he, he was a Malayalam. Now I think it's somebody else pointed and said, is Gora and her show was doing so well. She said, okay. So <laughs> that's, you know, that's how you audition. Audition. When people ask about, did I do an audition? My audition was a live audition in front of the whole, I had the whole board, the whole of Dudashan, because the PMO had instigated that particular soft power episode. Mm. And it was an episode uh, with all those Gora professors who all spoke, spoke fluent Sanskrit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, so that's that was Dudashan. So like that, my journey with each one has been, but it, it, it was not easy. And in, in, I've never really wanted to be, play the role of a foreigner. I've always wanted to play the role of a Hindustan. Hindustan. So, okay. So I'll give you another wonderful example and I'm not mentioning any names. So I was a struggling artist in Bombay and I was going to auditions. And, uh, one of the, I saw this audition. We need an Indian that looks like a foreigner and speaks good English. Okay. So I thought, I'll go to this audition. I don't want this audition, but I'll make this casting director think I'm Indian. Okay. So I went to this audition and I said to the casting director, Mera angreji tuta futa hai, leke me bilko gora angreji hai. <laughs> at the end of the casting, he looked at me and said, pakka angreji jese dikta hai, leke tumara angreji ne chale gaya. <laughs> I was so impressed and so happy. <laughs> उसका पेट खराब है पता नहीं वो बाथरूम चले गया था उसका बगल में एक लड़का था उसका दोस्त तो मैंने हिंदी में से पूछा आपका आवाज सुनकर के ऐसा नहीं लग रहा है कि आप हिंदुस्तान में रहता है वो मुस्कुराए बोलता मैं मेलबर्न ऑस्ट्रेलिया में रहता है बोलेंगे आप मैं बतलाते हैं आपको मैं हिंदुस्तान में कभी-कभी लोग से मिलता है और मैं हिंदी में बोल रहा है और सब सोचते हैं गोरा है हम बोलते हैं मुझे अंग्रेजी बोलने में कष्ट है तो हिंदू लोग सोचे मैं कश्मीरी पंडित हूं और मुसलमान सोचे मैं अफगानी हूं मैं दोनों में खुश भाई पक्का गोर अंग्रेज पांच मुझे कोई इसमें कोई तकलीफ नहीं है सो व्हेन यू बिकम एन एक्टर 
one, you have no shame, and also you're supposed <laughs> to lose your ego. You don't shame right. how people treat you. You know, many times. But also, I mean, I get offended when I see a person in India deliberately speaking English to somebody else, like at an airport or somewhere in a company who doesn't speak English. When that happens, I go and make a fuss. Yes. ハーバットメイクヒンディーメルサットボンニーパタイネトウタモバシャビシキヨスピックパタイ。ハーバットメイクヒンディーメルサットボンニーパタイネトウタモバシャビシキヨスピックパタイ。ハーバットメイクヒ
you have to finish the side of the road so when the car, the motorcycle or the truck hits it, the yes. dust doesn't go back up into yes. the air. Otherwise, you have a situation where in Delhi, wherever you go, you look at the trees. They've all got dust on them. All dust, yes. There's some areas of Delhi and Gurugram and Noida where there's enough greenery and enough good infrastructure, you don't have the dust. But most of it. Now, we all have to breathe that. That's that's one thing that I find very mm. disappointing. The second thing is when I'm in Delhi or Bombay particularly, in the day or night, if I'm in the day, I don't see a blue sky. I see a brown sky. And at night, if it's night and I'm in the middle of Delhi or Bombay, I can't see the stars. But if I'm in Sydney or Melbourne or Perth or Auckland, I can see a blue sky in the day, dark blue, and stars at night. Now, it wasn't like that 30 years ago. Yes. A lot of work has to be done. Chalan, you know, jo neta log hai, wo chalan ka shakti janna hai. Business sector mein chalan <laughs> I'll give you an example. In Melbourne, many years ago, they put up a traffic, they put a camera. So when you cross the red light, it was the first camera in Australia. Now, that what happened was everybody who went through the red light, they got a warning notice. Mm-hmm. Had they actually charged on that weekend, they would have got $350,000. So now Chalans <laughs> are coming to India. Mm-hmm. I know at the very bottom is a big problem. I understand that at the very bottom. But the middle class needs to get maximum Chalans in their business. Yes. <laughs> and that money needs to go back to the right spot mm-hmm. for further improvement of the environment. Absolutely. And, you know, you know, but, but things are changing. Like, when we were, I was shooting in a film, Gaya Maramatahe. So mm. most of the shooting was done in Haridwar and Rishikesh. And we did it near the Ganges. Now in Haridwar, and particularly in Rishikesh, the fish have come back. The water's oh, cleaner. How lovely. It's a beautiful, big, big, giant fish that you would have seen 40 or 50 years ago. So there's amazing changes taking place, but a lot more needs to be done. Has to, yes, yes. On a war footing. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> One of the things that I'm inspired by is the youth of India. Mm-hmm. The youth of India now, through social media and mm-hmm. through the Water Rivers program, so many things are being inspired and thinking about the environment. See, I have a habit in India. Wherever I go, I have a jola. And I will <laughs> never throw anything on the ground. And I put it in my jola. Mm-hmm. And my friends, some of them are very senior people, very well educated. When they had their child, what they throw it on the ground. I pick it up and put it in the bin. And I embarrass them. <laughs> that's the only way, Chance. These are that's that's the only way you can make you know prick their conscience. Yeah. Once again, things are changing in Banaras, Kashi. You go and drink tea, and the tea wala will remind you there's a rubbish bin. There's a bin. So things are changing, but so much more needs to be done. Totally, I agree with you. Um, so you mentioned this film, Guy Hamari Mata Hai, and. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about the film and also your upcoming projects before we close for, for uh, this talk today? Gaya Hamara Mata is basically a, a Bollywood comedy. But the whole idea is to give the understanding about Desi Gai Kadood. Because you see, if I go to a mother dairy in Delhi and I ask, Hamko Gai Kadood chahiye. Agar wala bagcha bolega, Are gya push rahe, gya baat kar rahe, dood to dood hai. Mm-hmm. 
अगर माता डेयरी में बोलेंगे नहीं नहीं मुझे गाय का दूध नहीं चाहिए भैंस का दूध नहीं चाहिए देसी गाय का वो तुम हरिद्रा ऋषिकेश चले जाओ ऑस्ट्रेलिया एंड न्यूजीलैंड द नंबर वन मिल्क ब्रांड इज ए टू मिल्क देसी गाय एंड बेज ऑफ एक्सपोर्ट फ्रॉम न्यूजीलैंड एंड ऑस्ट्रेलिया ऑफ ए टू मिल्क इज टू चाइना Imagine that. Imagine that. No. So, so this is a wonderful film. Let's see if one of the OTP platforms, maybe a day Netflix, thora acha Hindustan Shruti ka films lene ko pochne. Absolutely. Netflix, pata nahi uska kya soch bichar hai. Isliye log subscription nahi karaye na. Agar Netflix sun raha hai na, Hindustan wala. Mere ko mala me mila. Sab theek hai. हिंदुस्तान वाला कुछ कुछ हिंदुस्तान का गाय का ये सब चीज का संस्कृति बिल्कुल हमारी संस्कृति को दिखाओ लोग जबरदस्ती आपको आपको फिर दूसरे लोग के साथ ठाई आप करने की जरूरत नहीं है लोग अपने आप से आपके साथ सब्सक्रिप्शन देगा ना ये नेटफ्लिक्स ये जानकारी पहुंचाने को जी बिल्कुल वही अभी जो 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 भी ओटीटी प्लेटफॉर्म्स हैं चाहे नेटफ्लिक्स हो या एमेजॉन प्राइम हो थोड़े से वोक हैं तो उनको थोड़ा सा बहुत जा रहा है खुद बोलते हैं बहुत जा रहा है अरे खाली मेरे देखते हैं खाली बैलेंस लगाता है ठीक है कुछ कुछ टीवी सीरियल्स जो बनाए हैं बिहार में शूटिंग किया यूपी में शूटिंग ठीक है अच्छा काम किया है लेकिन खाली बैलेंस वाला है और भी कुछ लगाओ कोरियन देखिए नेटफ्लिक्स में कमाल है मैंडरीन थाईवान का थाईलैंड का इंडोनेशिया बहुत अच्छा टर्किश का तो चलो नेटफ्लिक्स हिंदुस्तान थोड़ा अच्छा अच्छा पुराना हिंदुस्तान का संस्कृति साथ साथ में जी जी बिल्कुल तो थैंक यू सो मच बोलिए अपना काम कर रहा है अच्छा अब ये पूछिए आगे के प्रोजेक्ट आगे प्रोजेक्ट बताइए अभी कोविड की वजह से सब कुछ बंद हो गया था तो अब कोविड खत्म हो गया मैं धीरे वापस जा रहा है तुम फेस्टिवल्स होस्ट कर रहा है कुछ प्रोजेक्ट से बातचीत चल रहा है मैं इतना जल्दी में नहीं हूँ है एक दो अच्छा प्रोजेक्ट है लेकिन कोई भी फिल्म कोई भी टीवी शो अच्छा वाला है जो थोड़ा सा मतलब आउट ऑफ द बॉक्स थिंकिंग और थोड़ा विचित्र है वो एक दो तीन साल तो लग ही जाता है बनना में उसमें कोई जल्दी होने वाला नहीं है और मुझे थक गया मुझे खाली चुनाव खबर करना है पूरा देश घूमना है पूछना है चाय वाला को कौन जीतना है वो थोड़ा उससे थक गया ना <laughs> तो नेक्स्ट ईयर आप कर रहे हैं क्या इलेक्शंस के टाइम में आप फिर से ऑटो वाले बाबू बनेंगे क्या काफी नेटवर्क हमसे बात करा है मुझे इतना शौक नहीं है चुनाव वाला किया ना अच्छे से किया है और बहुत जबरदस्ती किया है यूपी किया मध्य प्रदेश किया था राजस्थान किया था छत्तीसगढ़ किया था अरे दिल्ली भी किया अरे ये अब मैं हो गया अगर कोई कुछ अलग से है तो वो अलग बात है वो मैं बातचीत चल रहा है देखते हैं कब होगा ओके ठीक है तो चार्ल जी इस इस पे हम अभी आई टेक योर लीव यहाँ पे इस इस बार फिर से मिलेंगे थैंक यू सो मच फॉर ज्वाइनिंग अस वंस अगेन ऑन आवर शो एंड इट्स ऑलवेज सच अ डिलाइट टू गेट दिस पर्सपेक्टिव्स फ्रॉम पीपल लाइक यू आई हैव आल्सो स्पोकन टू आई डोंट नो इफ यू आर फेमिलियर विथ मारिया वर्थ शी इज अ जर्मन हिंदू एंड शी आल्सो लिव्स इन इंडिया and i had in fact had a conversation with her a few weeks ago so it's it's always nice to hear from uh, indians who are from who are also you know who also have uh, nativity from outside of india but they bring you know their own perspectives and their own insights and it's always a delight to talk to you all so uh, thank you so much charles ji and fir milenge fir fir avsar milega to zarur milenge jai hind jai bharat
जय भारत जय हिंद एंड जय श्री राम सब्सक्राइबर्स बिल्कुल आप प्लीज इफ यू एंजॉयड दिस टॉक शेयर इट विथ योर फ्रेंड्स uh and you if you haven't already subscribed to our channel i would request you to do so as soon as possible uh like and comment and please keep coming back for more content namaste and jai hind please remember to subscribe to us and switch on the notifications for this channel For our other social media links, more content, and to support our work, please visit citti. dot net. Thank you. Namaskar.